This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode of the Yankees Magazine podcast is brought to you by the MLB app. Yankees baseball is always live with the MLB app. Follow the action with game tracking and video highlights, along with up-to-the-moment stats, standings, breaking news, and more. Download the MLB app today. It's your number one app for Yankees baseball. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Yankees Magazine podcast. I'm John Schwartz. I'm the deputy editor for Yankees Magazine. Joining me, as always, we have our editor-in-chief, Al Sanasiri. Hi, John and Nate. Happy to be here. What's going on? Al, you jumped the gun because the other guy we have here is our executive editor, Nathan McAborski. Hello, everybody. Spoiler alert, I guess we should have said. I don't know. <laughs> Had to give that away. So it's a bit of a weird week here. Teams on the West Coast, uh, if you are not necessarily that big of a night owl, maybe you're missing a little bit of what's going on with the Yankees, but good news. We had two stories go up this week onto yankees.com slash magazine. So since you have more time in your evenings and nights while you wait for Yankees baseball, it's a perfect time to discuss what you can be reading about. Before we get there, obviously, I just want to check everyone. Uh, enjoy your fireworks. Enjoy your 4th of July. Enjoy your swimming, whatever you did. It was great. A great holiday weekend and a uh, big series here uh, in the Bronx. I had a new magazine hit the newsstands, which is always exciting. Got Gio Urshela on the cover of this month's Yankees magazine. So uh, all in all, I'd say it was a pretty good start to July. Now we're going to get some wins here, and July will be even better. There you go. I, li- I like the optimism. Let's, uh, let's keep that rolling. It was, it was very uh, noticeable in, in my time at Yankee Stadium last because I sat through a few uh, too many rain delays. Lots of fireworks going on uh, behind the Bronx area there and kind of prepped me, if you will, for what happened over the weekend in my house where it was just nonstop the Battle of West Orange, New Jersey um, fireworks literally all weekend. It is quite literally the only time of the year of my life, what have you, that I'm grateful I don't have a dog. But the other 362 days, if my wife is listening right now, I really would like a dog. Well, I can speak to that firsthand. Uh, it's it's become a nightmare. And um, he's our, our dog is, it's the worst weekend of his life every year. Let's just say that. And, and most of it is spent on one of our laps because he's afraid of the fireworks. And I wish there weren't so many <laughs> displays in, in Rockland County, I'll say. Sounds like there's like a million dollar idea waiting to be had right here with like, you know, earplugs for dogs or something for July 4th weekend. <laughs> all of our listeners, I hope you all understand. That's Nate's idea. So no, no. Feel uh, free to run. with. I'm too busy making magazines. So <laughs> if you want to run with it, go right ahead. Speaking of magazines, obviously, Nate, like you said, if you were here this past weekend, you were able to get your hands on the July issue of Yankees magazine. It is, you know, like, like, like every month, especially I feel like after last year when we maybe lost sight of just a special that's put out a magazine, maybe. It's always fun when you see that one. It's especially fun this month. You get to see a Nice smile and Gio Urshela on the cover. And of course, on day two, if you will, of the sales of this magazine, Gio Urshela played hero. So it's always nice when Yankees magazine 
helps maybe a player instead of sends a player to the injured list. So good on you, Gio. Yeah, I mean, hey, Aaron Judge was red hot in May when he was on the cover of Yankees magazine. So maybe we're like the the anti-SI jinx. I like it. <laughs> let's make that our new thing. Let's, uh, every time we put a player on the cover, let's uh, make sure great things happen for him, which is, of course, an extraordinarily inappropriate and weird segue to the first story that I think we should discuss today, which is we were able to take some time to look back at what I have to say was one of the most special days that I've been a part of at Yankee Stadium, and that is a piece that we did on the inaugural Lou Gehrig Day. I want to give a little bit of background here and maybe. I don't even know if you want to call it a mea culpa or whatever, because I'm just going to be totally transparent here. I wasn't sure about doing a full feature on this day. I thought that I wasn't sure as we were going into the lead up to it, just how special it was going to be. And I will tell you, whatever you think of the feature, whether it did a good job of conveying all that or not, Speaking to the people that I got to speak to for writing this feature about Lou Gehrig Day, the feature is called Lucky Day. It's in the July issue. Speaking to the family of Pete Frades, the Pat Quinn, the guys who were really involved with making the Ice Bucket Challenge go viral a few years ago, talking to other families who've been impacted by this, and reading the stories on the people, and, and, and really learning a lot about uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS, myself. Uh, again, whatever you think of the story, whether it, it came out the way we hoped it would, I know how grateful I was just to be able to experience that and, and, and learn from these people I was speaking to. Well, I'll say this. I mean, it, it kind of dawned on me late in the game that there was a lot there. And because we are the Yankees, I felt like it, it, was, it was something we really should take a crack at expanding. And I had high expectations for it. And, and honestly, John, you know, you exceeded those expectations with what you wrote. Um, it's a touching piece. It's a sad piece, not only about the life of Lou Gehrig, and how his life ultimately ended, but of all the people who've been impacted since then, and, and a lot of them that you spoke about, obviously, who've been impacted and their families have been impacted more recently, um, the sad part, obviously, to me is, is not what all of these people for decades and decades have gone through, but the fact that you know we're, we're still pretty far away from any type of a cure or remedy or help for you know what's a really, Obviously, it, it it goes without saying that it's a deadly disease, but also one that involves terrible pain and suffering for, for the, the people who have it, for the families of the people who have it. It strikes people at you know various ages and at many times I know very young, like Lou Gehrig. But I think you did a great job of shining a light on what an issue it is, what an important issue it is, and, and really having heartfelt conversations with families of of people who you know, who dealt with it firsthand. And, uh, you know, I applaud the effort. I know it was a rapid turnaround and a, a quick conversation uh, we had, you know, leading into that day. But I just appreciate you taking the ball and running with it and doing such a good job with it. Yeah. I mean, just to kind of echo Al's sentiments, I mean, one of the, you know, great joys I've had writing for Yankees magazine is the opportunity to write about Lou Gehrig uh, on several occasions. I mean, he's just such a, important and fascinating heroic figure uh not only in yankees history but really in baseball and, and to an extent american history and so john i mean i was just floored by this piece because i mean just the the opening kind of intro to it i thought was just so pitch perfect um i just thought you really nailed it and the two things that i kind of came away from reading this story with was that a just how much it meant to these families that Major League Baseball is now holding an annual Lou Gehrig Day. 
uh, not to uh, just you know memorialize Lou Gehrig, but to really raise awareness about ALS. And when you have an organization like Major League Baseball behind that, that's a really really powerful thing. And the second thing I came away with was really you know it wasn't a sad day. There was a lot of hope and a lot of uh, optimism and. It wasn't a day for mourning what was lost. It was a day for, uh, you know, recognizing that there's still a long way to go, but that there's a lot of people pulling in the same direction. And uh, I guess, you know, in speaking to some of these families, I'm guessing you kind of came away with the same feeling. A little bit. And I I feel a need to push back a little bit there, only in the sense that every single person who I spoke to that day would have given anything not to be speaking to me that day. Um, no one wants this. And, and one of the things that I was really trying to convey in the story, and it's hard to do because I don't think it's inappropriate to say this, the Yankees get a lot out of Lou Gehrig and the speech. And that's a wonderful moment in Yankees history, that speech. And I think it's easy and perhaps too easy, and I try to say this, to think that Lou Gehrig's story ends with that speech. And that's only because we didn't see Lou Gehrig after that speech, when the reality is that you have to imagine that. Lou Gehrig watched his body just totally atrophy and died a horrible death. Too young, with his brain, like all ALS patients, very aware of what was happening to him. So his body shuts down totally, his muscle just atrophy, like I said, but his brain keeps working. And I think it's hard to square that circle in a sense of that speech, which is such an optimistic and a happy and a positive piece of baseball history and Yankees history kind of making yourself realize what happens next. And, and, and I think that the families of Pete Frady's and Pat Quinn, look, this was a very good day in the effort to raise awareness and raise money for ALS. But I, I believe, if I'm getting it wrong, it was either um, John Frady's or Pat Quinn Sr. who was saying to me, it it's also makes them think about a, a, as positive as the Ice Bucket Challenge was and as much of like those two guys became heroes, you know, we didn't have to sit there and watch as, you know, they lost the ability to dress themselves and lost the ability to just use the bathroom and, and, and any of these things that, you know, y- you see them as these smiling faces raising money and everything like that. And instead, it's just such a brutal and devastating disease. And, and, and one thing I'll say, and I hope it's clear, I mean this in the most positive way. One thing that impressed me about everybody who I, I spoke with that day is they had their talking points down. And again, I'm not saying this to make it sound artificial. I'm saying this to make it sound organized and really, really well built. I will tell you, every single person that I spoke to said to me the one most salient point, I think, which I got into the story a few times, which is Lou Gehrig died 80 years to the day from the first Lou Gehrig day in Major League Baseball. He died June 2nd, 1941. And if he was diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease today, he would have the exact same prognosis he had then. Every single person made that point to me. And when you hear it the first time, it's jarring. When you hear it the fourth time, you really didn't think what this means, that there's been essentially no progress in eight decades. And that's what this day is about. And as much as it's wonderful to be Yankees and, and to have this part of you know Monument Park and Yankee Stadium and our legacy as Yankees employees and, and have this connection, whether you're a Yankees player or a Yankee staff or to Lou Gehrig, that's not what this is about. What this is about is changing the trajectory of this horrible, horrible disease. Why do you think in comparison to other ailments, other diseases, deadly diseases that obviously people still die from, but that there's been so much progress, why do you feel the lack of progress is so profound with this, again, in comparison to virtually everything else that we know? 
I don't have a great answer for that. I think part of it is the randomness of it. In, in nearly all cases, there's no family uh, history or anything like that that causes it. There's no bad choices leading to it or anything mm-hmm. like that. It, it's just completely random. And I, I don't have a good answer. I think that in a sense, and, and I actually mentioned this in the last episode of the podcast, that's part of actually one thing that Mike Crawford, who is Garrett Cole's father-in-law, who, who really helped put this day together, one of the things he pointed out was that, you know, there's optimism they can take from watching the COVID response and watching how quickly this came together. And the point is, if you get the money behind it, and if you get the attention behind it, I mean, it's kind of silly in a sense. And maybe this is part of why I wasn't sure about the story originally. Maybe mistakenly, I was thinking like Lou Gehrig's disease. What do you need to build awareness of Lou Gehrig's disease for? Everyone knows about Lou Gehrig's disease. But the, but the point is, I didn't realize how little progress had been made mm-hmm. in eight decades. And by how little, I mean none. And, and, and maybe that's what it takes. Maybe it just takes people realizing just how capricious it is and how much like they know people who are affected by this. And those people did nothing to deserve this. They had nothing in their genetics that showed that this was going to happen. It was just random. And maybe it's learning more about it in this way and using Major League Baseball and the Yankees and Yankee Stadium as a platform that helps spur on some of that research. Because we saw in the last year, when everyone gets together and says that it's a you know, international necessity that we find a vaccine or find a cure for a disease, we can do it pretty quickly. And, and I think, of course, I am always, always going to advocate for the most research and the most, uh, the quickest, you know, path to, um, you know, to a cure for anything that is causing people to suffer and to die. But I think the you know, the, the stark difference, and, and this is unfortunate in a way, and, and there's no point that I'm making other than just pointing this out, is with something like COVID-19 that was ravaging the world's population, I think the reason, you know, it became such a priority was because of how many people it affected. And I, and I obviously see that in one way, it's good that the, the number of people who get Lou Gehrig's disease or ALS or whatever is not you know, is not high compared to heart disease, cancer, things like that. But for those people that do get it, they're, they are kind of left out on an island like we can't help you. And that's the saddest thing of all. Honestly. Well, I mean, the death rate is 100 percent. I mean, I know. I mean, yeah, but the number, the gross number of people, uh, thankfully, is, is low. But also that's a detriment as well, because it doesn't make it a priority to do the things that need that the medical world needs to do to to fix it. Yeah, I mean, their their lives are upended. It's not just the, you know, uh, the folks who suffer themselves from ALS. It impacts their entire families, their caregivers and their friends. Um, it's just, it's a devastating thing to watch. And uh, hopefully, you know, this will have an impact. Hopefully, Major League Baseball's efforts to get behind this, uh, we will see some changes in the years to come. And one day, June 2nd is a day just to remember Lou Gehrig and not have to, uh, you know, fight for a cure. But but I think that that also gets to the point that I was making earlier, which is a lot of these uh, ALS patients, the end is just so horrible that you don't see them at the very end. Mm-hmm. And again, like there's something, again, the more you research this, the more you learn about it, and by no means did I become an expert on ALS, but I certainly know more than I did before, it becomes very hard for me right now to listen to or read Lou Gehrig's speech. Because I think, Al, to, to, to your point, part of the problem might be that for too long, there was a vision of Luke Gehrig's disease that the first thing you thought about was 
the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Right. And maybe as a result of that, it became a little bit easy to trivialize it in some ways, because like I said, that's the last time we saw Lugarig really, and we didn't see what happened to him afterward. So our final memory of Lugarig is as the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Maybe what we need a little bit more of now is an understanding of what actually happens to the family, to the patients, to the caregivers and everyone. And again, I, I don't want to be more, but I don't want to turn this into let's uh, just bring everyone suffering out into the open. But I do think that maybe that narrative of the luckiest man on the face of the earth doesn't always necessarily do justice to what is happening uh, behind the scenes here. No, I, I think what does you know, help is Major League Baseball getting behind this, creating awareness, talking about how terrible it is, because the only way that it's going to change, obviously, is through research and the medical community making it a priority and putting hours and hours and hours and hours towards it. But the only way that that happens is through money. And, you know, if people are putting their money elsewhere because they don't think that it is, it is as devastating as it is, it'll never change. The choice has to be to essentially put your money there. And when that happens, it fuels more hours of research. And that, you know, generally like it did with COVID-19, you know, gets to a cure a heck of a lot sooner. Just a really impactful piece, John. I, um, I, I reread it on July 4th when we put it up online. You know, obviously, July 4th being the anniversary of that speech, is it's a day, you know, I always kind of think about Lou Gehrig. And, uh, you know, to have this piece in our July magazine and go up online on that day, it really came together nicely. And uh, I hope a lot of people check it out because, you know, if you're a subscriber and you get your July issue, I'm sure you're, you know, be excited to read about Gio Urshela and the, and the current players that are all throughout the magazine. But check this story out too. I mean, there's input in there, really good stuff from Garrett Cole about Lou Gehrig and, uh, you know, the impact he had on his career. And um, the photos from that day are, are just really, you know, memorable and special. So, Again, the story's called Lucky Day. It's up on yankees.com slash magazine now. And uh, great job, John. Well, thank you. But let's uh, take a quick break, and then we will discuss uh, another longtime Yankee who, uh, Al, you had a chance to speak to for a little bit earlier this season, and uh, we got a great Q&A it. so stick with us. Hi, this is Garrett Cole. You're listening to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. This episode is also brought to you by MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand with MLB.tv. Your subscription also includes the MLB app Premium, allowing you to stream live baseball with your favorite supported devices. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. Welcome back, and I think it's time for us to talk about another longtime Yankee. Al, earlier this season, you had a chance to have a really, really great conversation with Brett Gardner for Q&A that we have in our July issue. It's called Garden of Eden, and I think that, I don't know which of us came up with that headline, but I think it very much speaks to Brett's mentality and kind of how he views his position right now and what he's able to do. So Al, Obviously, every one of us in this room right now, we've had plenty of chances over our careers to speak with Brett Gardner. It's nothing new. He's not always the most colorful, vivid person in interviews, but I think you did a great job bringing out of him a lot of what makes him grateful for his life story. He's a player. You're right, John. He's reserved. 
incredibly humble from the start. And, um, but I, over the years I've, you know, like you guys I've interviewed him a bunch of times and, um, had some long conversations with him and, and, you know, he's been, you know, I guess he's gotten comfortable enough with me that he, he's willing to talk a little bit about his life off the field and what it's been like. And it's been, you know, a really inspirational journey. A guy who was essentially a walk-on at college and didn't even make the team and then had his dad, who was a former minor league player, kind of advocate to just have him practice with the team. So from that point to, you know, coming up through the minors to being on the roster in 08 and being a big part of their championship team in 09 and you know, now you look back and it's been 14 years of, of consistent and steady play. That's a, that's a big accomplishment in the major leagues. And, you know, so I always, you know, like to kind of go back and talk to him about the longevity, what it means in a, in a time when it's very, very rare for even the greatest of players to play for one team. And he's kind of been on this journey with his wife and his two kids who are not, you know, super little anymore, but they're a big presence in New York in the summer. And, and then, you know, they're, even though their lives are in South Carolina, but he's somebody who really has everything in place, in my opinion. He's got a great family. He prioritizes his family. He's had a great career and he's just been a selfless player. And, and over the years, players slowly have really begun to gravitate to him and to the point that, you know, he's a leader that, that people go to. So I, I, I kind of went into this with my eyes wide open of the fact that, like, look, he's not having the best year of his career. He struggled at times. Age is certainly a factor in that. But his value on this team is still there and he's still contributing and he's still doing things the right way. And I wanted to kind of really bring those points out. And um, he made this a great piece by by bringing those points out. Yeah, he was really candid about his struggles earlier this season. And um, he also spoke to this offseason, which was kind of a, a strange situation. I know it's not the first time that he was. You know, his contract had ended and he was kind of a, a free agent and there was rumblings of him signing somewhere else. And, uh, you know, he's just one of those athletes that it's really hard to picture him in any other uniform. You know, I, I think he was he was pretty honest with you, too, about his his desire to be in New York and hopefully end his career here. One thing I love about the story, and this is going to be a weird tangent, so just bear with me, but we're about to start the Olympics. I'm obsessed with the Olympics. I love the Olympics. and similarly to give a little tease for what you have coming up in the August issue right now, we're working on an international themed photo essay. And I think a lot of times when you think about diversity and maybe you think about patriotism and maybe you think about, you know, what it means to have a diverse clubhouse, you think about, you know, the Dominican guys and the Nicaraguan guys and the American guys, whatever. But a lot of this is from spending the last few weeks religiously watching the Olympic trials, but also thinking about the Yankees clubhouse. When you're rooting for Team USA, let's say, you're not rooting for this homogenous group of people because they are representing America. America is a really big country. And I think that one thing that I've always loved about Brett Gardner is he's such a uniter in that clubhouse, I feel. And, and, and look, I'm not th the same as true, was true for Didi Gregorius when he was here. There's plenty of guys who play this role. But the, the point I'm making is I don't think Brett Gardner has the same upbringing in any way almost as Giancarlo Stanton or Aaron Judge, who you know grew up on the other side of the country in different circumstances, everything like that. But by being this 14-year veteran, by being this guy who is kind of the glue of the clubhouse in a lot of ways, you know, it's not just about the fact that 
he is the same as these guys because they share a nationality or anything like that. It, it represents, I think, what's great about baseball, which is you have all these different cultures coming together, even when it's the same country. And I think Gardner is a great example of ways that, you know, that, that can manifest itself in really positive ways. He's always been a connector. He's always been someone who I think was reflected almost in every player on the team. And that's something that I've always loved about him. Well, I think he had a great example to follow himself when he came up and Derek Jeter was the captain of the New York Yankees. You know, he kind of latched onto him in some ways and uh, they developed a really tight bond. And uh, that was another part of this Q&A that I really enjoyed reading. And uh, one of the, you know, more special photos that uh, accompanies the article, I think, is, you know, the section uh, where he talks about Derek Jeter. You know, that was something that I, I wanted to hit him with because, you know, it's been a bit of time now since Derek is, uh, has been here. And the first way I thought about it was the fact that it has been a while since Derek's played and Brett Gardner is still playing and, and you know, it's still a big part of this team. So that's kind of where the idea came from. But, you know, whenever you ask him about Derek, he comes up with something different and it's still something really interesting and just the way that he watched Derek kind of go about his business every day. And that doesn't mean starting at 7.05 when Derek was going to the to the on-deck circle. That that kind of meant starting at 2 o'clock when Derek got to the stadium or at 1 a.m. when Derek and the team was flying from New York to the West Coast or whatever. And, you know, just watched somebody who was so professional and so good at what he did. And as we all know, it, it doesn't just matter what you do between the white lines isn't really the only thing that makes you successful. It's everything else. And, and Brett was astute enough to, to notice that and follow that. And, and, and the same with, you know, one of my all time other favorite guys, you know, who he mentioned here, Jason Giambi, a guy who worked so, so hard. People talk about how hard Alex Rodriguez worked. Same thing, a guy that he, that he watched and, you know, and, and followed, but Derek, you know, certainly, and I'm glad that I was able to get him to talk so much about uh, a player who, like, you know, hasn't been his teammate for for quite a bit here now. I really love the sense of who he is off the field, because obviously there are two Brett Gardeners on the field. Even There's the kind of even field, you know, just kind of seems level and calm, whatever, when he's at the plate and everything like that. And then if he strikes out or if there's a great catch getting him or if the ump blows a call you see him you know trying to break yankee stadium and things like that and it's always fun for me to watch games when paul o'neill is calling them because obviously there's just so much paul o'neill in him it always makes me wonder about gardner's post playing career and where he's going to get that aggression out in a sense because everyone you talk to on the yankees you know he is the prankster. He's the ninja in the clubhouse. He's, you know, the jokes or whatever. And that's not a side that you really see from him at all. What you see is like the guy banging his bat against the dugout roof trying to break it. Or what you see is the guy doing one charity event after another, making sure to bring his kid there. Again, very reminiscent of CeCe Sabathia mm-hmm. in this regard, in the sense that he does not believe that this is just his duty to do this charity work. It's his duty also to show his family what it's about. And I've always really respected him for that. So I, I just like, I find myself wondering, I don't think Brett Gardner is a guy who we're going to see broadcasting Yankees games. I don't think he, we're going to see him coaching or anything like that. I think he's a guy who kind of is looking forward to for at least a while disappearing a little bit. Obviously, he's not on social media, so we're not going to follow his exploits on the golf course like we do with CeCe. But I do find myself wondering what his post-playing career is going to look like. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, one of the more interesting questions in this Q&A too, to, you know, 
pick his brain about, you know, what, what do you think's going to happen next here for you? Because he acknowledges that he's been around for a while, you know, <laughs> he doesn't know how many years he's got left playing. But uh, yeah, I, I could see him kind of uh, fading into the background a little bit. And maybe, uh, you know, maybe at that point he'll come around and let Yankees magazine come uh, trail him <laughs> around the farm down in South Carolina Finally. for a day or something. <laughs> We've yeah. been asking for long enough. Well, we talk about, you know, being, you know, the best part of an interview or the best adjective about any interview or, or any Q&A piece, it, you know, is when we use the word candid. To me, that was where he was most candid because I've asked players at the end of their careers, towards the end of their careers, excuse me, that question before. And, you know, you always get, you know, kind of what Brett added at the end, which is, you know, I'm completely focused on this season and taking things one game at a time. Normally, that's all you get. You know, but with him, it was a whole paragraph of, you know what? I have thought about it. And look, all three of us are married. I, I think when you, you have a partner in life, you know, you, you do plan ahead of what you're going to do. You can't live just in the moment because you're not just living for yourself. You have children, you have, you know, a family, whatever. I just didn't think he would share that with me because I'm not part of his family. Te technically, I guess <laughs> I'm not, not part of his family, but the fact that he did made me feel really good. And um, you know, I knew what was coming after that, which was the disclaimer that he's, he's, you know, a hundred percent focused, but the fact that that wasn't all I got, I, I was just thrilled about it and, you know, really enjoyed ending the, you know, the piece that way. And I don't think we're going to see him for a while. I think there's going to be, he's going to have to do something, whether it's on his farm or, or coaching at a youth level or whatever to kind of bridge that gap of time where, where there's going to be that void. And, and I guess fill that void is what I meant to say, but you know, he's such a good guy and, and so selfless with his family that uh, I'm sure he'll make the most of it w whenever it is and whatever it is. But frankly, I hope it's not for a little bit here. I don't care what you say. I think we are all part of the Yankees family. And I think that, uh, Agreed. you know, we're, we'll all do uh, Thanksgiving at Brett's house uh, this year. <laughs> I, I think uh, I think he agrees to that. Well, you know what? He he only needs one turkey down there. He doesn't need three so or four. So we're <laughs> we're good, I think. But yeah. Well, it's a great story. Like I said, Garden of Eden. It's really a very out, to use your word, candid look from Brett at his life and his career and where he is right now and how he got here and where he's going. So I think it's worth reading. And as I said at the start, there's no better time because the games don't start until late at night. They're on the West Coast. So uh, enjoy it while you can. But Nate, Al, let's start off July right. Let's get something momentum going here and uh, let's move into August feeling a little better than we do right now. How do you guys feel about that? Sounds good, and uh, we'll uh, enjoy the All-Star break next week, see how our Yankees do on the uh, the national stage out there in Denver. I agree. You know, it's it's been a season that's, uh, there's been some, some good times, some bad times, far from over, you know, easy for me to say, but, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of talent and a lot of hungry players. I, I still feel, and um, I just think it's going to be an interesting month, and I think August is going to be the same after that. Good times, bad times, you know, they've had their share. Everyone, uh, Thanks for listening to another episode of the Yankees Magazine podcast. If you have not already, please go to yankees.com slash publications where you can subscribe to Yankees Magazine. You can buy back issues. You can buy yearbooks, all that fun stuff. It's always a good time to get a subscription. We offer special deals. Keep checking back. Follow us on Twitter at Yanks Magazine. You can get all the information about the things we're doing and find out any discounts or promotions we're running. Of course, we put all of our long form content on yankees.com slash magazine. The two stories we discussed today, Lucky Day about Lou Gehrig Day and Garden of Eden about Brett Gardner. Those are both up there right now. And lastly, of course, yankees.com slash podcast, where you can listen to 
past episodes and of course subscribe or you can go to any podcast app of your choice leave us reviews leave us ratings tell us how we're doing we're really interested to hear it you can send us letters at letters at yankees.com or tweet at us again at yanks magazine thanks so much have a great day and go yanks hey this is Giancarlo Stan. if you like what you're hearing why don't you rate and review us and while you're at it tell your friends to subscribe thanks so much and go yankees The MLB Ballpark app will complete your next visit to Yankee Stadium. Buy and manage game tickets, redeem special check-in offers, access exclusive content, and much more. Download the MLB Ballpark app today.